The Bite Goes On is up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. This week on the podcast, we're talking to comedian Lauren Lodudice about impersonating Melania Trump and her favorite Indian restaurant in the basement of a temple in New York. In the basement, they have a, a cafeteria and the dosas are insane. It, I mean, it's direct. It feels like you're sitting in India. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to The Bike Goes On. This is Brian Casey with my friend Sandra Bernstein. We're here on a relatively smoke-free day today. <laughs> and we've got we've got Maggie from The Hatch down in Paso, who we're, we have wanted to get on for a while because Sandra and I love eating at the restaurant. We missed you. We were supposed to see you. I think uh, it was like April 23rd or 4th. week. We had a reservation for yeah. Friday night. We were really excited, more excited about going down and eating your food than going to hospice. And yes. then we, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, then, then the, the shit hit the fan. So good to, good to see you, actually. Yeah. I'm happy to see you guys. It has been too long. It yeah. has been. Yeah. It has been. And, and I know we were... Um, we were scheduled to cook for that whole weekend. And I mean, not only, you know, did we want to see everybody, but it was kind of a good event that we, another one of our events that kind of went down the tubes. But um, yeah, I did talk to Vicki, I think last week or so, and she said it was pretty smoky your way. And um, yeah. that nothing, you know, imminent there, but it's amazing how, you know, the wildfire smoke just goes everywhere. I mean, this mm -hmm. our weather patterns are kooky. It sure does. And it might not have mattered as much in years past. Exactly. But now that everyone's died, <laughs> uh, you don't want right. to work in it. You don't right. want to eat in it. Right. I, um, I remember meeting you years ago. <laughs> I remember us sitting on the couch at the fig talking about yeah. our dreams and honestly, you know, there's like a handful of times that I think about, you know, entrepreneurs that really want to cut their teeth and do it. And they have a dream, they have a passion. And, you know, at that time, it's like, oh, yeah, here's another person wanting to, you know, <laughs> open a restaurant. I should tell them the truth that they're absolutely crazy. <laughs> yes. But it was so wonderful to, like, see you and, and you're like a serious restaurateur. And, you know, like to have your dream come true and find, like, the perfect spot and, you know, develop such a beautiful reputation. I mean... What what were you doing before you opened the hatch? Like, how did you decide you were going to do this? Oh, open the hatch. I like the way that sounds. Oh, that was <laughs> open the hatch. So many possibilities down there. Sandra, I will never, ever forget that day. Uh, I think, uh, well, Faith Wells set up that um, meeting. And that was, I was just floored. I was up in... Um, Sonoma on a, a business meeting. I was <laughs> I was playing hooky that morning and came <laughs> with you. And I was just, I mean, I took pages of notes. We you were so 
kind to sit down with me um, and ply me with coffee. And uh, I, was, I was working for Justin Winery. I moved out here from the East Coast. I'm from Connecticut, but I um, studied hospitality at UMass Amherst and then moved to Boston for a couple of years. I was in the restaurant business there and then uh, moved out here, got a job in the tasting room at Justin Winery and um, kind of moved within the ranks in that organization for um, I think seven or eight years before we had the opportunity to open the hatch. And so that last year we were, you know, I was still working at Justin, but also um, with their sister winery Landmark up in Sonoma. I know you and were flying in the private jet that I was so jealous about. I was. Those were <laughs> days. Yeah, seriously. There are only a couple of things I miss about that because I love what I do. One is the private plane. Two is my IT guy. <laughs> uh -huh. Three was the corporate credit card that didn't come out of my account. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that was the land of milk and honey. How, is the, how are those two wineries connected? Is it the, the parent company that owns both of them? Palm, right? Yeah, yeah the wonderful company. Um, bought Justin. When I had been there for four years, they were acquired. And then uh, a couple years later, they bought Landmark Vineyards huh. as well. Okay. Yeah. So um, the wonderful company being, they also have Palm, the pomegranate juice. You Fiji know those water. Fun, um, curvy bottles of pomegranate juice. Yeah. 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 So, so this is a big global company. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Big company. And it was a great experience. I mean, you know, I wasn't psyched about them being acquired right away, but um, uh, it was a great experience. It's a company that's full of young, smart, like uber talented women. I learned from like some incredible people and um, keep in touch with a lot of them. So that was, that was awesome. And it really um, got me to the point that when we had the opportunity, so, so the hatch came about because we, um, <laughs> my husband and I, was not my husband at the time, but this was kind of our goal uh, to open a restaurant. And we had it all in our head, um, what we wanted to do. And we put our names in um, to a lottery, an ABC lottery for a full liquor license. And we won. Oh and my God. <laughs> wow. Wait, will you explain that? Like, cause I think people don't know that to, to serve alcohol, like you have to have an ABC license and there's only yeah. like a certain amount of them, right? They don't, they don't just issue them and throw them out to everyone who wants one. There's a certain right. amount. And so you have to get one from someone who dies or someone who goes out of business or something like that. Totally. And they're very expensive. So the alcohol beverage control issues these licenses that you have to, you know, keep up to date. And if you want to operate with, you know, a full bar, you need this special kind of license. It's kind of easy to go. It's, easy to go buy a beer and wine license, but when you add right. full liquor, it's, it's more complicated and expensive. So uh, they were, I think they, they do new licenses um, based on population size, if I understand that correctly. And that year, back in 2014, I think they said, you know, we're going to issue five for San Luis Obispo County. And so my husband was waiting tables or I forget exactly where he was at the time, but I think he was waiting tables somewhere in Paso. And, and I was at the winery and we were both kind of feeling like we were spinning our wheels. So we were like, you know what, let's just put our name in the hat. And um, we found out on October 9th of 2014 that we won this 
that we won the the drawing you know it was just a drawing based system and we got this liquor license and we had 90 days to hang it in the window of a bona fide eating establishment wow oh my god so wait a minute how much first of all how much does the <laughs> liquor license cost so if you buy it like right now i think they're going for like $275,000. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Buying it directly from the state, it is a tiny, teeny, tiny fraction of that that we had. That was the only money we had, but we had it's it. It's like 15000 now, fifteen nine or something yeah. right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. But then at this point, you have a liquor license, but you have no restaurant. You're just thinking, holy shit, we need to find a spot to hang this in the yeah. window. Oh my I God. Mean, we had like, something really funny. On my what? calendar. Do, do you want me to tell my joke again? No, no, no. But on my calendar. <laughs> oh, really funny. Next Wednesday, September 2nd, it says liquor license lottery. Yes. I have it. I have like saved all the lottery dates on my calendar. Every once in a while, we put in for one because, yeah. you know, we can always. You might as well. In. Yeah, because the cafe or whatever. But um, that's so funny. We're talking about that today. Yeah, I that wonder. is funny. Yeah, we haven't. Uh, they haven't issued any more for our county since then. Wow. Wow. I did oh, see um, a week or so ago that they had. They they are starting to open up like twenty twenty five licenses in a whole bunch of counties. I mean, like a ton yeah. of them. Not Sonoma, of course, but um, you know, I think it's like projecting how many businesses may not make it. Um, I think we will see licenses go down in price, but, but regardless, it's so expensive. It's so yeah. expensive. Yeah. It's, and the paperwork. It's nutty. And, and it's so hard to, I mean, we would not have opened up without a full liquor license. You have to, at least in our area, to really stand out um, and to offer something different. You know, when you're smack dab in the middle of wine country, mm-hmm. not have well, and it's your money maker, right? I mean, liquor is what, you know, when you look at your percentages, right. I mean, liquor, if you're, you know, 13, 14, 15% or something, now you're talking food costs is normally, you know, close to 30 and, and wine is in the mid twenties or something. Right. So liquor is the, is a money maker. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It just makes sense if you want to be in the business of restaurants, which we do, you know, I yeah. think it's smart when people go into it and it's not just a dinner party you know you're doing this to support yourself to support your family and yeah um, that's a huge factor you're right okay so then so so now you have a liquor license and <laughs> and did you know that you wanted to to open up something um in in paso robles or were you just thinking in the area somewhere yeah definitely in paso um that's kind of you know we we saw there were some great restaurants in town um, we looked at it and we were like, you know, it, it's just, there's this one thing missing and, and we want to fill it. And we felt like it was like a late night spot. It was kind of casual, recognizable food for a, a good, you know, at a good price point. It was great seasonal cocktails, that kind of thing. But at first, you know, we were like, we've got this liquor license, like, let's figure out how to make money with this thing because we can't just willy nilly open a restaurant. Like that's not how it works. So we're like, maybe we partner with a restaurant who needs a, you know, existing restaurant liquor license, but there are so many rules attached to these licenses that, that come 
um, the lottery system that, that come directly from the government. So, um, so uh, I think after like exhausting all these thoughts, we were like, well, we better start, you know, let's write a business plan. <laughs> so, you know, nights, weekends, whatever, we pull this thing together. We tried to find investors. We refinanced our home. I mean, we just like, and how do you, I always wonder this, how do you try and find investors? Because I always imagine, first of all, you're hitting up friends and family and try, but then that's kind of the worst people you want to end up owing money to because you have to see them all the time. Like I want investors that are far away. Brian, it is the most awkward. I hope I never have to do any fundraising ever, ever, ever again. Because you're kind of pulling people. I mean, we had this list of people like, Hey, they've been super supportive of me in the past. Like maybe they'll want to invest in my restaurant. Well, they don't want to invest in your restaurant. <laughs> they sure don't. Like everyone knows the restaurant is it's the crazy. Restaurant is crazy, right? Yeah. And like the failure rate, I mean, who knows what the actual failure rate is for restaurants, but the the stats are like it's not good (laughs) no it's not good so they were like oh like you just wrote this business plan we actually wrote the business plan uh, like around this one unit in an old building in Paso and and it used to be home to this like steakhouse late night bar kind of joint and that lasted five years and then it kind of flipped from owner to owner and it never really stuck but we loved the space we loved this little like 1800 square foot space. We wrote the business plan around it and it just turned out that the, the owner like defaulted on his lease and, you know, wasn't paying. And we happened to know that the owner of the whole building, he was a, she was a regular at one of my um, now husband's restaurants where he used to wait tables. And so we went directly to her and we were like, Hey, like, do you think, like, we don't have the money together, but we've got to hang this in the window. Can we just pay you rent for one month if you're going to get rid of this guy, you know, the other restaurant, which she was. Um, and she was like, all right, like, sure, put your sign in my window. It'll be empty within a couple of weeks. Um, so we were able to, for the month of, I think, January 2015, we were able to hang liquor license sign and that gave us 30 more days to to raise the capital um to open and it was shoestring i mean we didn't do much we did a lot of the work ourselves and um it was already plumbed and you know electricity was run as a restaurant so it was kind of just topical stuff that we had to do and we had a few friends like some random friends with with cash that were like yeah, you guys will probably do good. Like, here you go. (laughs) Talk about manifesting your dream. I mean, seriously. I mean, when people, you know, like right now in these times, I find myself reading all these philosophical books and listening to those kind of podcasts and about, you know, your thoughts create your, what happens in your life. And and literally, I mean, it's an amazing story. It's, it's, well, cool. wait, we're not done with the story, are we? No, I know, but it's, but that part itself is like, I love this space. I want it. I got the license before I have a, I mean, that's incredible. 
Yeah, no, they sound yes. crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally crazy. Yeah. Totally crazy. Yeah. yeah, hey, let's go, let's open a restaurant. We got a liquor license. Let's jump into this place and hang the thing in the window. And yeah, that no, always so- always works. I yeah. mean, I, I can't believe you guys got to where you're at. Amazing. Yeah. So then what? So you got in there, people were throwing money at you. Sort of, yeah, like the, the right people. Right. <laughs> the right people, you know, and it was it was just like, you know, really three three or four people that came through at the end, and we we had an investor group, you know, of people that um, are very well known in the community, and they really wanted a place to kind of call their own, so they were willing to come in in this big investor group, and we just felt that after a while it wasn't a fit. Like it just felt like there was pressure on us. It wasn't going to be what we wanted. And so we kind of went to the, the lead guy and we were like, Hey, we, we appreciate you as a person. Um, but, uh, you know, this not, this doesn't feel right. And so he pulled out and his whole investor group pulled out and I swear to you, that weekend, I was at an event for Justin, and I ran into the guy who sold me um, our house, and he was talking about refinancing, and, you know, I bought the house back in 2011, so, you know, 2014, 2015, we were looking pretty good, and he was like, oh, I'll show you how to do this, and we came up with, like, exactly the right enough, you know, the right amount of cash. We were able to pull it out of the house and, you know, slap it down on the table and sign a lease, and... Uh, it took us a few months from there to actually open, but um, you know, it was it 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 really was. It was like destiny. Like everything just fell into place, and and it was a hustle. I found out um, I think right before we opened, about a month before we opened, that I was pregnant. And <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So Wait, that and, first- and is that why you called it the hatch? Because it was like you were. <laughs> Hatching a, an egg and a and a baby and the restaurant all at the same time. I mean that just kind of ended up making sense, but no, down the hatch, down the hatch, easy, good food, good drinks. Oh, down the hatch. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought yeah. the building was called the hatch, but I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's where that came from. So yeah, it just it all worked out. We love it. We've been there five years now. Um, June was our five year anniversary. Uh, which is definitely not the way that I, you know, expected to celebrate or not celebrate, but um, we're happy to be open. We've got some of our original crews still with us, um, and it's really, you know, a special place. I, I really, I being there, we've got a great team of people, and um, it just keeps getting better, so. But how did you get your team? Like, who, so you and your husband are talking, and you're like, we need a chef, right? Or do you yeah. decide that you're gonna cook? Yeah, no, no, definitely not. Um, <laughs> no, uh, no. It, you know, we did. We did need a chef. We, um, we, kind of had like a, you know, we kind of went to the usual suspects in town, like the catering chefs and like the guys that we knew and had worked with, and you know, we we made the rounds, and and that was kind of tough. We found, um, you know, we didn't found, find like the perfect fit. Um, but we, um, finally found this, this woman that was going to relocate from, 
the Monterey area and we really liked her and she was like a, she was an accountant in her old days and, and then she like went to culinary school and then she wanted to, you know, she's a chef now. So like we loved her like business mind and she cooked for us a few times and it was great. Um, and then I don't even remember when this was, but like, you know, a month before we were slated to open or something crazy like that, she was like, eh, I don't think I'm going to make the trip down. I don't think I'm going to do this. And <laughs> we just put one more Hail Mary out to Craigslist and ended up finding our opening chef that way. He was moving up from LA and, you know, super talented guy. I think he was with us for, um, maybe a year and a half. So we've, we've definitely like churned through some talent in the kitchen, but, um, well through the whole restaurant, but poor people are still with us. And we've got a lot of people that joined in that first year when we were really like, you know, getting our shit together and, and, you know, added some talent to the team, you know, that, that really like helped make us better and up our game. I remember we definitely talked about, you know, the instance of what type of chef you bring in, you know, if you don't have a chef in your family, um, you know, do you, how do you find someone that doesn't need that huge ego to take over and be the celebrity chef of your family run business um, right. or to take away that focus? And I think, you know, even us over the years, the people that'll stay are those that don't have that huge ego. But I do think there's a little bit more turnover in restaurants where, you know, people have that dream and they, you know, they, they need that recognition. And so it, it but it seems like it's worked for you, you know, and finding cause your food is beautiful. Um, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, you are the curator of the menu. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, and, and I, I will never forget the advice you gave me before we opened, and I've repeated this to a number of people um, over the last few years, and, and we really talked about, you know, the brand of the restaurant and, and what is the brand, and, and now I notice, you know, and, and how does the chef fit into that, because it's such an important part of our restaurant. But if you're not the chef, if you're the owner and not the chef, what does that look like? You know, and, and I see restaurants that, that churn chefs and, and latch on with that as their defining characteristic every time they hire someone new. Um, and then that person leaves and you always hear the grumblings, you know, from the guests and the regular, oh, you know, it's not the same since so-and-so left. Yeah. Wanted that to be the case. Right. never really um, attached our brand to a particular chef, even though, you know, we do want them to get recognition. Um, and, you know, people are so all about food these days that you have to have a chef out there, you know, talking about, talking about preparation and different methods and whatever they're using to make your place stand out. But, but it, you know, the beat must go on for your restaurant company 
the, the bike, the bike, the bike goes on. The bike goes on. <laughs> the bite must go on, right? When you, yeah, when you, exactly. You know, and yeah. there, there, you know, there's lots of ways to have, you know, that person um, do that, but always having, you know, a firm direction on, you know, keeping your thing your own. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and we've worked with some talented. And you don't want to be um, kind of like attached, like, oh my God, if that person goes, then what? Right. How do I carry on? How do I do the next thing? So yeah. you never want to feel trapped, but. it's Yeah. And it, it is a balancing act, right? Because you want to, um, you want that person to have some um, creative room because they are artists and they, they do that. Um, but you know, you also need to be able to create, recreate all those recipes when that person leaves um, and, you know, for the, for the health of the business and you don't want to cut their legs out from under them, but, you know, it, it's your joint at the end of the day, right? So um, they can go, they can, you know, choose to pursue, you know, whatever is next for their journey, their personal journey. Um, but you're still going to be there. So you need to make sure that your place functions uh, yeah. through it all. In, in lately, did, there was that whole uh, tumult about Squirrel in L.A. Yes. Um, you know, and people were accusing her of taking other people's recipes. And Wait, wait, I don't know any of this. What, what's going on? Oh, this is... Yeah. This is interesting. It is. Yeah. So this woman who's got a couple books out and she makes the squirrel SQRL, I think, jam. Yeah. And really cultish for uh, since she opened until, I guess, a month ago, um, which she'll be fine. She's going to bounce back like nothing. But yeah. people, like, as soon as someone has an issue, like people come out of the woodwork, you know, and everybody that may have had a bad experience with you as an employee is going to find a way to throw daggers, which is horrible. But um, there, she apparently had a chef at one point who she was saying, what are you doing? She was saying, um, what are you doing? She was like, Ryan is changing his virtual background. <laughs> You're so funny. Um, but anyway, so they were accusing her of stealing, of not giving credit of where the recipes came from and, you know, her stealing, um, you know, recipes. And I had to really think about that because in 23 years, um, we have, <laughs> we have, um, you know, we have cookbooks that different chefs have put together, you know, they have helped create. And, you know, our bottom line is that, you know, if you're creating something in our restaurant, it belongs to the restaurant. And you guys you know, have always been very clear about that, right? I mean, yeah, in, yeah. in the front, like if you don't want to create something that's yours, don't, you know, but for the brand's sake, you know, we'll give you credit. We'll talk about, oh my God, chef so-and-so made this thing. And I never say, oh, I look what I created. Cause that's not it. But you know, there is something like you can't let people come in and make a recipe. And then when they go, all of a sudden your most popular dish goes with them. You know, that doesn't work that way. 
Right. And right. Yeah, it's it, but it's a fine line. But people, the social justice aspect of chef creativity and ownership, it was really falling on the people that thought they should have gotten more credit for those recipes. And I think you have to have an arrangement ahead of time. You know, so I, I think so too. Yeah. I mean, that was always, it seemed to me that that was always, you know, sort of you're taking your knocks, you know, you're moving up in, in, you know, either a company or in the industry or something like that in the, in the chef world. And, you know, you learn to be creative while you're on somebody's payroll. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Something, you know, under those circumstances and, you know, should that really belong to you, you know, exclusively when somebody is paying you to create that? Um, what, bring it with you, you know, it was something that, you know, you've served elsewhere and now you're, you know, serving it across the country. Right. Um, then who does it belong to? Right. Um, it's all, it, you know, it, it's worth, um, obviously I'm biased in one direction, but, um, it, you know, I think it's worth a discussion because not just that things have always been somewhat, you know, one certain way that it should just stay that way, you know, but in this case, I certainly feel like, you know, if, if you're on the payroll and if you're reaping the benefits of working in a certain program or um, working with a certain, you know, team of people that are going to make you ultimately better in your career and, and you're being paid for that time, then um, yeah, but it, I, that should belong to the restaurant. But, so when, I think when, you're right. Like now you just have to have that, that agreement ahead of time. I understand. Right. We, so, we don't, when chefs leave, we, we don't say something like, oh, you can never cook that at another restaurant or you can't ever right. do that. And, you know, over the years, I've definitely seen menus pop up where, you know, the exact same picture, the exact same thing. And it's like, whatever, you know, it is what it is. But I think while you're in the house, you know, that's what you're doing. You're, it's yeah, that, um, the fig and arugula salad, I seem, I think I've seen some other places. I don't know, yeah, you know. Well, that salad's the exact salad that we opened with in 1997. And we wrote that recipe actually on the, one of the decks at Asilomar. We were on a trip at Asilomar and John and I, yeah crazy years and years we were just like right we wrote the recipe it's the same exact recipe but yeah, yeah interesting stuff it's can't you know there's nothing you can do about it yeah uh, so we, we had our our opening chef um put on our opening menu this this mushroom dish and it is like the trifecta of everything you want to eat it is you know a mushroom <laughs> soy glaze, Parmesan cheese, aioli, like it's just a perfect umami bomb, right? And everyone loves it. I mean, it just outsells the next, you know, most popular thing by, you know, crazy numbers. Anyway, um, so, you know, that was on our opening menu. It's been so popular and so talked about that we've never taken it off, right? It's it's like a it's one of those star items. Like it doesn't cost. I've much. had that. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Great. And uh, you know that person only worked for us for a year and a half or so, but um, recently opened up another place in town, 
Ryan, are you drinking wine? Uh, no. <laughs> but, but I ignore you. That that wouldn't be um, unusual. No, but no, no, this is this is my uh, iced coffee. <laughs> oh my god! You know what's funny though? I just saw a commercial yesterday. I don't know if it's Jame <laughs> it's um, Jameson's or Canadian. It's one of these whiskey companies that is now doing a it's whiskey cold brew infusion. Yes. So oh, it's, wow. and it's it's and the the slogan is something it's something crazy like great way to start the day or something. And I was like, oh, are you freaking weird. kidding me? They're encouraging mm, like breakfast whiskey. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Add it to some maple syrup and put a little, chi you know, chicken and waffles or something. Yeah, that's bacon. my There you go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So wait, so, one, two, so what happened? Sorry the, for so that the they opened across town. Oh, yeah. So he's got this cafe across town, and he put the same dish on the menu. No, that that dish is so hatch, right? Like it's just like it's been there for five years. So you know, I'm not. I'm not worried about that at all. Like that was created when he was there. Like I'm happy to say, you know, that he was our opening chef. It's been on the menu since inception, blah, blah, blah. That's his jam. So he can certainly put it on there. But, you know, my staff came to me when he opened up that <laughs> dish and they were just mortified, just could not believe that we were going to let that stand. And, you know, this is our dish and da, 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 da. We're just like, you know. I mean, God bless him. What you know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I, I don't it's care about that, but I'm not going to take it off my menu. No. Right. We had a we had a dish like that at the Grand Cafe in San Francisco, and um, it was a polenta souffle that had um, sautéed mushrooms and then a cambazola sauce like drizzled over the top. And oh, whatever whatever chef came in, they always knew. You know, I think they were told like this stays on the menu people come here for this so it but yeah. it, you know after a while like the the servers are like man i'm so sick of this dish but everyone that came in just absolutely loved it so it was, it was one of those things that like you said Maggie, like it costs nothing and you know you're selling it for like 18 bucks <laughs> yeah, costing you a dollar so fifty yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when you guys oh, first gosh. opened the restaurant were you like were you successful right away was it was the place packed or was it a struggle at first? Um, it, it felt pretty packed. I mean, we had a great network and, and it wasn't, you know, we look back on those numbers and, you know, what we thought was like this crazy night of 50 or 55 covers <laughs> you know, around the, like nutty goons. Um, but, but it was, it always had a great vibe. It always, um, it always got full at some point in the night. Um, and so we had this like great network of people because, you know, we had both lived in Paso for, you know, a decade or almost that long at that point. Um, so we had community support and, yeah. and a lot of people have come in, a lot of um, restaurateurs or business owners have come in and opened up restaurants in Paso. And if they don't have that community support right away, they don't last and it's just yeah. how it rolls. Yeah, you can tell when you're there that, you know, we're visiting from somewhere else, but we can tell when that you have regulars, locals that are coming in because a lot of people know each other. It's one of those places yeah. that the locals and the tourists want to go to. Do you, yeah. and Somebody, I, I just thought that, of something this right. morning. Um, do you guys have something on your menu that you can buy beer for the cooks? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah, so I'm yeah. like vaguely remembering something like that. Send, send around to the kitchen. So for 20 bucks, I think it's 20 bucks, um, you basically send around to the chefs and, you know, the bartenders ring a bell when somebody orders that and the kitchen just, you know, gets crazy. And um, <laughs> I saw that on a menu in Chicago and I wish I could remember what restaurant I stole that from, but I love it. It was the girl and, and the goat. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> If you haven't Ooh. been, you gotta go. Oh my god! But I didn't. I, I was. That's what a great way to to be like the favorite boss of all time when the cooks are like, "Oh, seriously, round," and yeah. then it's it's so, infectious. Do you? Do, are there some nights where you just like it just yes. keeps going and you gotta go? Okay, hold on, wait a second. Yeah, it's like it's like bowling. So. Here, here's how it actually works. I'm not that fun. I'm, I'm really. Who <laughs> 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 are you doing this? The chefs can get a beer at the end of the night after their shift. We don't need anyone cutting themselves because they're losing all night. We have a very like we're strict about alcohol. We don't like nobody's imbibing on the job. Nobody hangs out after the shift and drinks. Like I'm just, I'm not. Again, I'm not fun. <laughs> so, so they can have a beer at the end of the night, pretty much any night because they've got this like fund, right? right. So at the end of the pay period, whatever they haven't consumed and like half the guys don't even drink. So um, it's, it's a very little, we take out, so say like, you know, five, 10 people have, have bought around during that two week period. So you've got 10 times 20 is, 200. So you've got 200 bucks. Say they've had six beers out of that. We take out our cost from that. So then they've got, you know, 180 bucks left. We just put it on their paychecks as a so you are very fun. That's awesome. Thank you so much. No, seriously, that's a great way to handle that. Yeah. It's it's been it it actually it sucks now that we're outside nobody buys that because they don't see the kitchen, uh, but we have an open yeah. kitchen, i should have said so with that open kitchen people mm. want to do that they want you know kind of expressing a thanks and yeah. uh, a few iterations and we we're like maybe if somebody buys around you send them a little amuse-bouche or something like that well that was logistically maybe not the best thing because you never know how many you're selling a night and all that so um, now they just like bang on pots and pans and <laughs> they're so extra. They are so extra. Um, but it's fun for everyone. You know, back in the good old days when we were inside, it just causes this clamory in the restaurant. Yeah. It's just fun. Good vibe. Which and we then, miss. That vibe is so tough I to know. recreate outside, isn't it? Do you guys feel that, that oh, now that we're yeah. outside? It's how such many, a different thing. Yeah. How many, tables, how many tables do you have outside right now? Like, what's your capacity change? Girl. <laughs> I know. It's so depressing. No, we have all the tables. We moved every table, plus some high-top cocktail tables. We've took, taken over, for the moment, we've taken over the whole frontage of our building, which is six units, I think, and then the side 
so up the side of our so we are back up at capacity not to say that we're like serving as many people but we're we at least have the ability to um on busy walking more oh my god everybody i mean we're getting our steps in yeah insane it's it's so far everyone it's tough it, and you're pounding on on pavement and yeah. not to go too down in the dumps because everyone's been you know my team has been just amazing about it but um you know we have been able to get back up to kind of near normal capacities especially wow. when you add the um into the equation well you and you guys are doing it the right way i saw i don't know if it was on Instagram, but you guys got a really nice Yelp review that was basically just talked about how you were socially distancing your tables and that normally it was six feet and you guys were actually doing like even further than that. And just that, that what a great job you guys were doing with, um, with keeping people safe. I mean, I, I seriously, I joke that that's better than a James Beard award. I know those were canceled this year, but, um, in in the COVID times, right? Like that that is like the best compliment you can get because we decided from the very beginning that we were gonna cast a wide net and we were gonna be as safe as possible and as you know masky as possible and um, just do all the right things so that we could get the people that were you know um, COVID deniers and the people that, that were super cautious um, because we can't to do otherwise like we're not going down with this thing right, right. and you have to just, like get as many as wide of a pool of people to still come visit you as possible yeah it's funny now though can you imagine that that's what you're getting a review about because we we've gotten some at the hotel at the fairmont here in sonoma for yeah. the for the stuff that we do and it's it's funny to read those reviews that normally it's about the food or something <laughs> and it's like wow you guys did such a great job i love that out at the pool everything is spaced appropriately and blah 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 and you're like Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, isn't that great? Yeah, that was actually the, uh, he was the uh, food critic for the OC Register that wrote wow. how he does his restaurant write-ups to include, instead of like regular traditional stars on food and service and ambiance and all that, include their, their COVID protocol. Huh. Yes, yeah. And then I think the last time that I ate at your restaurant, or I think I ate there twice in, a, in, this, in one week, um, <laughs> I think I sat at the bar and had, did I, I had a sh like lamb or sheep or something from Tobless Creek. And then you yes. could order, then you could order the bottle of wine from Tobless Creek. So it was kind of like you're, you're eating the, the animal from the property and drinking the wine from the property. Like, how did that come about? What grows together goes together. Yeah. <laughs> so they have, um, they have this like, lovely shepherd on Nathan. staff. Yeah, Nathan. Nathan, you know Nathan. Okay, <laughs> cool. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen their, I don't know if it's Facebook Live or whatever they're doing um, with like oh, their winemaker and their, um, and, and Nathan the shepherd, but they're like kind of educating him on wine and he's this, he's just so funny and they do such a good job kind of, it's just one of those humorous things that, that people have, um, Come with, come up with during this weird time, but that's fun to watch if you haven't checked it out on on Tablisk. Um, But yeah, so they have this um, herd of sheep for their um, biodynamic program, and um, they from time to time will sell it mostly locally, and 
So yeah, we make a really delicious shepherd's pie with that bottles of topless on the menu. And it's just a, it's a treat. As is sitting at a bar, can you imagine? (laughs) It's the greatest thing about the girl. I love eating at the bar at the girl in the fig. I love eating at the bar at the hatch. You have great bartenders. Your cocktail program is awesome. Um, They really know what they're doing. I mean, I always overindulge myself on the cocktails, even though I want to drink wine, because everything sounds so good. The menu is just amazing. How, um, speaking of your cocktail program, how, when in that time did you decide to do your mobile bar? Oh, yeah. Um, So we found this, um, I think maybe two years in, we found this, um, beautiful, we saw this beautiful old um, vintage Divco milk truck for sale around town. And I swear this thing was like in our colors, like it's cream with <laughs> red accents and, um, and it just, it looked like the hatch and we were like, oh God, we need this thing for something. Maybe we'll do catering. Maybe we'll, I don't know what we'll do. Mm-hmm. Um, but we ended up, um, I mean, Paso Robles and, and the Central Coast in general is such a huge event destination. It's a wedding destination. You know, there's these beautiful venues that are so picturesque. And so there are tons of events that go on. And um, when we started getting really into our bar pro- program and, and cocktails and the seasonality of it and um, expanding our whiskey selection, we were like, you know, getting into food catering is usually you know, there's a sort of high barrier to entry, right? It's like, you've got to buy the equipment and, you know, you know how that goes. Uh, but cocktail catering, we can just, you know, put a couple wells together, bring the product that we already have and serve it to the masses. So we embarked on this project that, you know, we ended up buying this Divco milk truck and it's so cute. It's like not functional at all. We were thinking maybe we'd put tap on the side or something like that, but no, it just like holds all of our stuff that we bring to events. And do you, um, do you have to pull it on a trailer to get it to blazes? No, it actually it runs. Oh, okay. that's good. It, <laughs> you guys, it's it's parked in my front yard right now, and and we try to drive it from time to time just to keep it going because obviously there's no events going on. Mostly stays parked, and and a couple days ago, my husband took it out for a ride for the first time in in like a number of, okay, maybe like a month and a half, and the thing dies as soon as he gets to the car wash, and has to wait for AAA, and AAA finally comes, jump starts this thing. His next stop after you know washing the the truck, he goes to to Lowe's, which is. I don't know, not even a mile away. And he, he's like, oh, maybe I'll just leave it running. Well, he tries to take off the, the key off the ring. Well, he turns the thing off and dies again. <laughs> the same guy from AAA. Anyway, not the most productive day in our history, but, but usually it runs pretty good. Yeah, and so I have two questions. So one question is, are you using your same license or did you, you had to get a total different mobile license? It's an, it's an add on um, to our existing liquor license. So you have to, um, you have to pay for the add on, which is 
you know, so it's like our catering bar license. Yeah, and then you yeah, and then you have to file for each um, each event. Yeah. Okay, got it. And then so right now they're not even issuing them, so we do have a couple of events uh, still scheduled for the remainder of the year. But unless the ABC starts issuing event licenses, which I think is is contingent upon the the gathering size. Um, um, unless that happens, then obviously we're not going to be able to be a part of that, unfortunately. Yeah. What, um, so my next question is, how have you and Eric kept it together as a married couple in your business? Because, you know, you're home together, you're at work together. Um, do you have different responsibilities um, or do they cross over? Sure. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so it was, it was super rocky at first because as we kind of talked about earlier, um, it, it's not like, you know, one's the chef and one's the front of house manager. We are both front of house people and we both the best way to do absolutely everything <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to front house operations, hospitality, all that. Um, so for the first year, um, it was rocky. Maybe the first two years, it was or or a year and a half. It was it was it was rocky, and we butted heads a lot. Um, but we were also like you know having a child together and. Um, <laughs> You know, that whole element was added and, and figuring out how to keep a restaurant afloat and all that. So it wasn't just that we were butting heads. It was like everything. And, and I, I don't know what was the, the turning point, but after that amount of time, we sort of settled into very different roles within the organization. Um, you know, I kind of mentioned that when I was at Justin, I worked for these like very smart um, women who, um, you know, they were MBAs and they were, you know, they had this like business mind, which I did not have going into it. I was just this like restaurant, you know, C student restaurant kid, um, who was just like, if I work hard enough, like this will be fine. Um, they really like, you know, put these, um, they really impressed upon the importance of, you know, um, the, the behind the scenes, the business aspect. So that's kind of where I gravitated. And I was like, hey, if I can make this restaurant make money, then we're going to retain great staff. Um, we are going to feel like we can, you know, step back a little bit um, and, and have other people kind of be in charge of, of certain things if we can pay them to do that. Um, so. I really kind of moved into this role of like, hey, let's make this thing profitable and, and um, really run like a business. And Eric really stepped into, um, you know, day-to-day -day operations for sure, but, you know, maintenance and, um, you know, just all the stuff that always, you know, breaks after, you know, we're in an old building and we've, we've got this inherited equipment and things like that. So we found this like great, working relationship where, you know, we had to have different things that we were responsible for. So he's really all about the bar program. He's making that cool and buying whiskey and, you know, doing all that stuff that I don't really care about. 
as much. Um, I know that it, it is important in the overall um, scheme of things, but it's not really my forte. Um, whereas I more oversee back of house operations, you know, work with our chef more, um, you know, make sure that, you know, we have recipes logged and we are, um, you know, um, organized and, and scheduling in advance. I mean, we do our front of house schedules a month in advance. Oh my God. You are so the best boss ever. Lives. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's huge. Well, you know, we live in, in this beautiful area, this beautiful wine country, and we want people to be able to go out and enjoy it because that makes them happier to be with us, mm. right? You know, if we can work on that work-life balance and, and get these schedules out in advance, then, then people can plan their lives and then they feel happier about coming spend the rest of it with us. So I think that's what happened. So anyway, we went into these roles and now, oh my God, especially like because of what we've just gone through over the past few months, we are so thankful that we have each other to like bounce off of, um, you know, to share the load because, you know, I can't imagine what it's like going it alone without somebody just to Hey, what do you think about this? Hey, what do you think about that? Should we try this? Should we, you know, you know, so, and to lean on to do the stuff that you either aren't good at or don't really care to do, you know? Um, so now so you had a second on. child, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. So we decided we did. Yeah. We were so chill. We were such good parents and she was such an easy, <laughs> let's do it again. And we had, a terrorist. <laughs> no, he's awesome. He's awesome. He was this giant baby that came out and was hungry for, well, now he's almost three and he's still hungry. So um, <laughs> they're a joy. They're a joy. But, um, you know, it's a lot. We've been, we've had a busy few years. Yeah. yeah and so Maggie, when you talked about staffing, did you guys experience any issues? I mean, pre pre-COVID, was it a challenge to get good staff in? We've, we've sort of been struggling up here for the past, I don't know, what do you say, Sandra, five years at, at least? Um, yeah. Just everyone seems to be fighting over the same good people. Um, yeah. And then this whole thing has sort of flipped it. It sort of swung the pendulum a little bit where now there's fewer jobs. And so um, employers are now kind of having the, they get to pick and choose who they want rather than they, they um, the other way around. Yeah, it, it is. It, it is interesting how it has changed. And we've talked a lot before, you know, pre-COVID, we were talking about this, this dearth of talent. And it, maybe it's not talent as much as it's like true hospitality people. You know, we never, it's so rare that we find people that, you know, get into this business because they want to, not yeah. just because, they're, you know, waiting you know, biding their time until they finish their degree or they, you know, whatever. Um, and, and that's, that's challenging. Um, you know, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about affordable housing and things like that being a, a barrier to entry for people in this, um, in this industry. Uh, even, I mean, I know up, up where you guys are and in, in the Bay area, it's, it's tough. Um, it is down where we are as well. Um, you know, California is just that, that is how it is. And, and yeah. you know, you need to be able to pay people, you know, yeah. enough so that they can live where your business is. Um, we were lucky to retain 
pretty much everyone um, post-COVID, which was That's amazing. 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 Horror stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We did a pretty cool, so we, um, when we were closed, when we were just doing takeout, we took 50% of all the takeout tips and distributed them amongst the staff that wasn't working. And it turned out to be, I mean, people were very generous during that time in takeout. Um, we found uh, that they were really tipping more than is typical for someone picking up food. Um, so, you know, that was a couple hundred bucks of people who were furlough, furloughed and um, that really- yeah. yeah, hold on. I think- Mention that, say that again, because if people just kind of listen to that. So you took 50% of the tips from your pickup service and distributed it to your staff that was not working. Correct. Yeah. So um, that, I think the very least, you know, if people were on the fence about coming back and we were like, hey, we need you. Remember how we've been giving you a couple hundred bucks a month? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> at the very least they felt like they kind of had to yeah. uh, um no very i smart. was was pumped to come back i mean they were they were bored at home and and uh they were excited to get back in action but um you know there were some people that were you know had to be pushed over the fence but that really i mean even if that's just you know your electricity bill or a couple of other bills or something during the time that we were closed um that that was pretty significant due to people's generosity. So it uh, did help us, I think, get our staff back. And, and now we've, we've been able to hire a couple more bodies because it it's harder to more find yeah. more labor intensive. Yeah. And yeah. What, is you your, same? yeah what is your local <laughs> government like as far as um, helping you guys with? Go ahead, Brian. You know, can you guys hear me? Ah, did I freeze? Yes. Yeah, a little bit. What was the question? Okay, I was wondering how how helpful the city was in helping you guys get the, um, you know, doing outdoor dining and, and getting that stuff going so that you guys could continue to do business. Um, you know, at the first, at first, um, it was more difficult. Um, but after the second shutdown, you know, because then we, you know, we reopened and then we shut it down again. Um, and the second time around, the city was like, okay, this isn't going anywhere anytime soon and our businesses need to thrive. So they were great. They were like, yep, just figure it out. We'll figure out a permit system, which they did, of course. Um, they've got to get their piece. Um, but it it, um, it was pretty easy on, on our end. And the ABC relaxing their relations yeah that helped a lot. We were able to, you know, extend our footprint. Um, so it was, it was pretty good up here. How, how about up there? For, for us? Yeah. Kind of the same, kind of the same thing. I mean, we're actually surveying on the Sonoma Plaza. Oh, so beautiful. Have, yeah, they gave us like 3000 square feet. So, you know, we have 11 tables and we did a collaboration with Wicked Slush, which is like a slushy water ice thing. So nice. we're selling that out of one of the doors, and we also have that on the plaza. But definitely, uh, and then we have we have sidewalk seating. I mean, we hope that some of these things can stick after because yeah. they are really great, and even the to-go cocktails. Um, yeah, yeah, which is. 
Yeah, I mean, are you doing to a lot of to-go cocktails? We sure are, yeah. Are you bottling them, or how are you sending them out? Because we're, like, reviewing this again. So at first, um, <laughs> at first, we just, like, got some kitchen delis, and we sent out our cocktails in those. Um, Love it. The only ones in the game in Paso doing that. Um, and so we were just like, just get them out the door, whatever we need to do. Uh, but then, you know, we stepped up our game after, you know, some other players came in and they were like, you guys are ridiculous. Or we felt like we were. Um, so now we've got them in like 375 mil wine bottles, half, half wine bottles. Um, and we put them in there and we've got our fresh garnishes that we send out to go. And we got these holders so you can put your... Um, plastic cup with ice and your cocktail and your garnish in there. So um, it's a cool little package and people love it and nobody seems to be. And what are your pricing? What's your pricing about like? Um, we, so people can do single cocktails to go for the same, you know, prices on the menu or with those 375s or 750s, they're priced between like, I don't know, 30 and 40. Yeah. So yeah, like 30 to 40 people. and then 70. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, and great. I mean, they've, there's this cute little section set up in the downtown park. We have a cute little park sort of like yours. I would say that Sonoma and Paso are so similar except yeah. for up there. It's hippies and down where we are, it's cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. We've got Malaria. Yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. They're they're everywhere. Yeah, yeah. That's so fun. So yeah. now, does 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 Justin Smith come into the hatch every once in a while? And if so, can you, can you get us on the mailing list for some of the wine? <laughs> Me first. Me okay. first, Brian. All right. I'll let you know if I get my allocation. I think oh. I've been on this for a couple so of years. Yeah, we just started today, actually, or last night. We just started on the wine list. I just put, if you are in dining and you want to take two bottles with you to go, minimum of two bottles, you can have 20% off. Sweet. So, yeah, so to go. You got to take it with you. But what we are seeing is that we're selling a ton of, you know, oh, it has to be over $50 or more. So okay. like right now, you know, we've got Synchronon, you know, for like 450, that's like 90 bucks off if somebody wanted. We've got some of the sacks. <laughs> I'm do I'm teasing Brian right now. <laughs> going to go like get the guys to pitch into like something. But um, yeah, I mean, we've got some of uh, John Aubin's, you know, Grenache and I don't know what we have, but there's stuff that is just not moving. People are not we're selling a handful of bottles that are really good, but sitting uh -huh. on a lot of stuff that would be nice to move uh, out. Well, it's interesting to hear. Yeah, I, th I think that's a great idea. It's, it's interesting for me to hear from our, our friends, our, our winery friends, how much their sales have not dipped at all. I mean, yeah. I think people are just buying wine for their home and yeah. maybe you know, maybe they're not enjoying it out as much. Right, um, exactly. Is Salem, reason. are they still doing okay? Who's that? 
um, Sam at uh, yeah. Winery, no, Winery sixteen sixty. Oh, Sam Katuri. Yeah. Oh. They're, um, yeah, they're doing. You know, they're doing great. But it's all. You know, it's all the DTCs. It's you're, it's direct to consumer, and it's um, mm -hmm. that's. You know, you're making a better profit anyway. You're not selling to restaurants, so you're selling to individuals. I think wine in general is is doing okay. Um, I think the what did I hear that the the booze industry they're sort of taking a dip because people are, you know, they're yeah. not going, going out to bars and, you know, you can make a cocktail at home, but it's not quite the same thing as going to a bar and having two or three cocktails. So I think they've taken, it's like 20% um, dip in, in um, hard alcohol, but for wine, I think in general, they've, they've done pretty well. I know that I've upped my game um, <laughs> and, and I know my wife has too. I mean, we're doing our part to keep the, the wine industry afloat here in California. Yeah. Oh God. But I think it's, I think Sandra, um, people aren't spending as much on the wines and it, maybe it's cause they're drinking more wine. Right. So they're not right. spending, it's not like a special occasion thing coming to the restaurant, mm -hmm. getting a nice bottle of, like you said, Cinquanon or Saxon or something. Yeah. It's the, they'll come and they'll get a, you know, a nice bottle of Bonnie Dune pick pool and then right. they'll go home and drink another bottle. Right. Yeah, and we, um, we're we not allowing corkage right now at all. We're not allowing outside bottles, um, which is hard to be in wine country and not do that. But one is yeah. safety around COVID, and two is, you know, for us where we have like a third of our capacity, you know, and a third of our capacity and like 300% inventory, because yeah. we were ready, um, you know, we can't really afford to just not sell wine. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we'll see how long that goes for. But Sandra, did you yeah, say that you, you hope that the, like, are you hoping that you can continue to do the tables outside the restaurant, even when you're allowed to do inside dining? We won't do inside dining at, um, at a capacity shrink if we have to do six feet distancing right which is probably likely until a vaccine comes um and even then i think people are going to want extended spacing because i think the psychological part of it's going to take a while yeah um it makes no sense for us to open the inside of that restaurant it's too funky and i don't think we can keep it safe so we'll keep the outside tables as long like right now we're committed to have them through october 2021 the plaza is going to end september 30th i believe or october 30th um and then they're talking about maybe doing some parklets or adding some more stuff to help us but this winter the patio we did not order the tent we normally put you know a huge tent over those 30 tables and you know for nine tables we're not going to do that um yeah so that's going to be the that's going to be the challenge right coming winter. coming up is going to be winter and, and for your outdoor spaces how do you tent um yeah it's got you have to have a strong to-go business i mean whatever right. that may be I mean, we're working on Right now, we're going to have where the window that we do the wicked slush out of, that's going to flip to Noodle Spring, our ramen shop. 
And uh, so we'll have both restaurants cool. out of there. So, which is nice because we would have done it at Sweet D, but why open that another space with a duplicate right. staff when we can just do it there? Kind of ramen sounds so good, like on a rainy day. Getting uh -huh. sounds so perfect. Yeah. 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 That's great. Yeah. So, I mean, it'll That'll be interesting. interesting. Yeah. It's hard to know how much to invest in each of these phases. Yeah. Like, so right before the shutdown, I don't know if I've, I've told you guys, but we lost the space right next to the hatch. Wow. The shutdown for, for our second restaurant, a wood-fired pizza. Oh, what? And yeah, I know I'm bringing this up like an hour into our conversation, even though I know we've got, you know, place, we've all, we're all busy. But um, we, we leased it right before the shutdown. And then that, I think it was February that we, we signed a five-year lease on this place and perfect <laughs> right yeah. and then um we weren't able to use it i mean we were we did not go forward with construction right away when we were able to reopen after that first takeout period we just did a quick and it's not outfitted as a restaurant right now it was like a, a little boutique so we slapped some paint on the walls we put our extra tables over there so um, smart one of our uh um, bartenders at the time, now our maitre d', um, is this like incredibly talented artist. So she did, you know, chicken, she threw chicken feet up on the wall and did some cool, like funky artwork. And, um, and so we were able to open back up, you know, six feet distance, um, but basically almost full capacity minus That's the bar. Amazing. Wow. And that was really cool. And then what, what did that last six weeks? And then we no. had to, you know, Side. So now it's sitting vacant again and we're trying to figure out like, hey, we just we just invested in you know in that space next door and and you know we didn't do too much to it, but it was for these times, you know, every penny counts. So if we spent a few thousand bucks to reopen that as uh spillover dining, um, you know, that matters. And so now that we're all outside, do we buy miss I mean it's a million degrees in passerables. Do we buy misters? Um, well, yeah. that might only be the case for another couple of months. And then do we need heaters? Do we need to buy heaters? Do we need to buy umbrellas? How much are you willing to invest when yeah. you don't know how long you're going to be doing something? Right. Tough did, you, did you get PPP money? Did you did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that in was the second really round. Mm -hmm. Second round? That was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping they're going to do it yeah we'll see yeah. yeah yeah i mean you know when you get you know when you rehire all this staff you know after saying hey we don't have work for you and then okay you're rehired the last thing i want to do is then go back on that and say sorry yeah yeah uh, we, we had to do that twice and oh. i'm gonna have to do it again in uh yeah. in the just, winter yeah no way there's no yeah. way, but hopefully there'll be another uh, bump in the unemployment, so that'll be helpful. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's. Um, I mean, our whole strategy is like, how do we get to the other side? You know, that's the whole thing. And there's yeah. some places where it's like sell more, sell more, and then there's other that's like shut down. You know, stop the flow of money going out. 
and you know hold tight you know just hold yeah. tight till you can get there just make all those costs smaller but mm-hmm. it's um yeah it's hard to make decisions every single day have to figure something out yeah yeah totally right. now Sandra, did you notice a, a little dip in business this week because of uh the fires 50 percent dip yeah, I just came off wow. two of the slowest nights that I've ever worked at the hotel. Um, I think we were at like 13% occupancy and we have been getting close to 60. Mm-hmm. And we had people come in from all over the Bay Area that really wanted to come to wine country. And then the fires just put the kibosh on everything. It's like, then, you know, you don't get the locals there kind of sticking at home. It's amazing. That's like, how much more can we take, Sandra? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't. You know, yeah. I mean, before the fire started, it was going to be the power outage because of the heat. Right. right. And so then you're like, okay, let's get through that. And uh, then the wildfire and the smoke. And I mean, really the fear, like Healdsburg, there were parts of Healdsburg that were evacuated. And it's yeah. like, oh my God. And I talked to um, Sonoma Family Meals, who we were doing a bunch of the um, nonprofit food, you know, meals. And they were at the fairgrounds, you know, dealing with tons of people that were evacuated. And she, they're, they're like, no, they can't do that. But it's... Um, yeah, we it's- had a bunch of evacuees check into the hotel. You could tell because when they pulled up in the front, they would yeah, they, they had a... They had cats. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. You, know, no, you don't normally bring your cat on vacation, so you realize, <laughs> oh, these—they've got to be evacuees, or they're really into their cat. Well, that's true. Yeah. Fairmont does let allow pets. That's right. Well, yeah. What do you say to evacuees? No, we don't like rabbits. I mean, yeah, leave your cat in the car. <laughs> right. Your cat will be fine at home. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Has it been? Go ahead, Maggie. What's that? I, I was going to ask, did you guys get the heat wave um, before all the fires and whatnot? Was it, was, I mean, it was yeah. 110 here. What was it like up there? Oh, my God. 104, 105 yeah. for a couple of days, but like yeah. 98, 99. And, and I'm in, I'm, I have my gloves on, my mask. I'm wearing oh pants. I'm not allowed to wear shorts. I'm wearing pants. And I'm like out at the pool. Uh, <laughs> allowed to wear shorts at the pool i am a major d so i am not okay. a cabana i'm not technically a pool server or a um i have a little more um status so i guess i'm not supposed to be wearing shorts or maybe they've just seen pictures of my legs i don't know <laughs> i mean oh, we, we started to allow shorts during that time during that heat wave and it was um it was enlightening yeah got to check out everyone's tattoos right mm-hmm. some chicken legs some pale legs yeah. oh man but you do what you got to do right now i mean it's yeah. kind of no holds barred right just like get through it and make yourself as comfortable as possible we're like Forget the non-slip shoes, whatever you can work on concrete comfortably in and not die the next day, wear that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all have to just make some allowances. I mean, you know, who knew? Who knew? Sandra, you know that. So let me think. Um, 
I mean, you guys are just full. Okay. Yeah. Full. So anyway, how did they get a hold of you on Instagram? Um, we are the hatch rotisserie. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure on Instagram. Uh, the hatch rotisserie and bar or hatchpasserobles.com will lead you to all of our stuff. Um, yeah. We're and seven days a week? Seven days a week. Um, 4.30 till whenever it gets weird. <laughs> Nine o'clock. Uh-huh. Nine o'clock, 9.30. Yeah, no. awesome. Thank you so much for taking time with us. We just are it so such a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. It was yeah. so nice to, to be able to chat with you again. I mean, you're just... Yeah. Um, in the very beginning, you've been so um, inspiring and, and helpful to me. Um, so thank you for that. Well, you, um, you've done an incredible job. So thank you. Thank you. I can't wait to be at your place and eat again. And I know. Yeah. I can't wait. Ryan, yeah. next time we're down, we'll update our pictures so that we're both wearing masks. Right. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm actually looking at your Instagram account right now. It is. It's the Hatch Rotisserie. And I'm looking cool. at your co- your cocktails in the cool little clear um, 375s. Yeah. It's cool because that's cool because you can see the color of the cocktail. Oh, fun. Fun. Yeah. yeah. So we'll put that in the show notes and I'll let you know when, um, when the show's going to air. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, you guys. I appreciate your time. Thanks thank for having you. me. We look Let's forward to seeing you. Yeah, hopefully we can get down it. And, and you know that um, hospice has been rescheduled. They're not going to skip a year again. They're just going to go right into next year. So Next year, yeah. yeah. Which, which, actually, I was just thinking about that. What does that mean? Does that mean that they're going to do 2021 and 22 and then go back to doing every two years? Um, for hospice? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know because um, the Découverte is actually the week before hospice is scheduled in France. So I don't know what's going to happen. Okay. But anyway, we'll let you get out of here. All right. Yeah. If you're down okay. in Paso Robles, go to the hatch. If you can um, go see Maggie, I highly recommend it. Thank have, you. have some of Nathan's uh, sheep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you guys got to get him on too. So fun. Yeah. Yes. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye, Maggie. Thank you. Bye.